Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and my guest tonight is Lori Gagan. Yes, hi. (laughs) Sorry, I should have asked you before we hit record how to pronounce your last name. You hit it right. All right, Lori Gagan. I will try not to get that wrong from here on out. Lori, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. It is the nicest day so far of 2021, and here you are trapped inside with us. So thanks for giving us your time. That's okay. I'm happy to be here. All right. Well, thanks for being here. You have a very interesting and varied career path, so I want to jump right into it, talking a little bit about your background. You have studied things like computer technology. You've worked at places like Black Pine Animal Sanctuary, and you now work in economic development. So if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about (laughs) where you started, all the things you've done and how you've landed where you are today. It's a long and winding road, it sounds like. It is a long and winding road. Um, So yeah, I was a a co-salutatorian in my high school graduating class and my strengths tended to be in mathematics and English and science. So okay. that sort of <laughs> gives you a little bit of where do you want to go. Yeah. I still don't know where I really want to be, <laughs> yeah. just so that's clear. Yeah. Um, but computer technology is where I started my okay. post-high school studies. All right. And, and why, why computer technology? Why did you choose that of all the things it sounds like you could have chosen? Uh, you know what? It's really a good fit for my personality. Okay. Um, I would actually tell you I probably would be a computer programmer today except that timing was absolutely horrific for me. Okay, okay. <laughs> if you can imagine, I was living in Albion, yeah. in the heart of Noble County. Yep. This was before Lima Road became a dual-lane highway north. Ah, uh-huh. okay. So it took. I went to IPFW, Yep. and it took me over an hour to get to the campus. Okay, all right. And in my freshman class, there were over 400 students sharing about 20 computers. Wow, okay. So... I don't have a lot of patience. I'm not a very patient person. (laughs) So I abandoned that um, after a a full year and switched to supervision. All right. And then my first real job, I'm going to attribute my lack of continuing education. (laughs) That sounds really negative, and I don't mean it to be. But I worked for Chet Deco, Uh who is the the, uh, patriarch behind the Deco Foundation. Yeah. And he was such a strong believer in letting people learn under his guidance, really. Sure. Um, so I had a huge amount of opportunity under the Deco group yep. for 12 or 14 years I worked there. Okay. And I got to work in a variety of different capacities. All right. Well, well, certainly on this podcast, even in the short time we've been doing it, there's just about every entree into marketing you can imagine. There are right. folks who, you know, never went to school beyond high school. We've talked to attorneys. We've talked to people with master's degrees. It's kind of all over the place. And that really speaks to the different opportunities that exist. Mm-hmm. But but going back to um, DECO for a second, for those who don't know, can you tell a little bit about what that organization does and what it was like when you worked there? Well, Chet DECO was an entrepreneur. And he started, as, as I understand it, I don't want anybody quoting me on all of these details, but what I recall. Um, hearing about him when I first got started with the company, it was that he had started working literally like in a garage. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it's a little bit like the Sweetwater story, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, locally homegrown entrepreneur. And by the time I joined the company, they had built a new manufacturing facility in a villa. Okay. And that became the Hoosier Wire Group, which became International Wire. And long story short, the whole business really has since sold and moved on. There's a few companies left. But when Chet passed away, he founded the Deco Foundation. Mm-hmm. And that today is s- still similarly focused on 
giving youth the um, all of the support, not just educational, but all of the whole being support they need to become independent and and sustainable as adults. So it's not just a focus on education, it's a focus on everything else that goes with sure, that. Sure. So what are some of the things you learned while you were doing that work? Uh, I think, you know, I always had um, a love of sort of business management. My, my father worked in inventory control for Essex Company. And as a kid, I would go to work with him on Saturday and see him crunching numbers and working on spreadsheets. So I always had kind of a love for that side mm-hmm. of things. And I would say what I learned at uh, working in the deco companies is just the diversity involved, even in a manufacturing facility, all the different jobs it takes to run a manufacturing sure. facility. It's not just being out on the floor making widgets. Sure. <laughs> it's sure. everything else. Sure. So I was exposed to a lot more of the computer technology. Yep. Um, his son, Tad Deco, actually gave me my first job uh, setting up databases and working in the computer technology side of things. Okay. And he was a marketing guru. Okay. So Tad had a lot of influence on me. And I remember specifically we were marketing dry deck floor decking to firehouses all over the country. Okay. And that was a project I got to work on. So yeah. I started being exposed to really serious marketing. Sure. On a, if not internet or national, it might've been an international basis. I don't remember. Sure. Sure. So you learned a lot of different skills in that position. Absolutely. So where do you go after that? Because I've <laughs> I've looked at your background on at least if, if LinkedIn is correct about where you've been, and mm-hmm. it takes some twists and turns it even does. after that. It does. Well, the, the way that I really got into marketing was through journalism. Okay. My husband, um, Dan, and his family lived in the Chicagoland area, and his father, Bob Gagan, who a lot of people will probably recognize the name, um, Bob actually worked for Carling Brewing okay. in marketing and advertising um, in Chicago. His dream job was always to own and publish a newspaper. And lo and behold, he ended up buying a newspaper in Albion, Indiana, okay. back in the mid to late 70s. Yeah. So once I was kind of an adult and in the work world, um, there was an opportunity to work for the, this family-owned business. And I brought computers to the table. We automated things. We got away from the old Selectric ball typewriter and yeah. started using a computer to, to put the newspaper together. Well, what comes along with a very, very small staff is you wear all the hats. Yeah, sure. Well, before I knew it, I was out selling advertising. Okay. And before I knew it, I was creating ads. Okay. <laughs> I all was right. doing layout. All right. Um, so that was really where I started getting a real serious entry into marketing. And is this at a point when layout is similar to it is what it is today, or is it a very different type oh, yeah. of process? Yeah. <laughs> it was very different. Yeah. Yeah, very, very different. Yeah. I was just laughing. We just moved, and I we still have print trays and things that uh-huh. came from the old newspaper. And I said, I kind of miss the old border tape. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I still am really good with an X-Acto knife. But. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, there was uh, one of my coworkers, Larry Wardlaw, who's been at Asher for a long time. He was on the podcast recently, and he was talking about the fact that, you know, layout as, as it was then was kind of more like the Gutenberg press than yeah. it is like where we are today. So we've, we've come a long way in a short period of time. Yes. So, so you're in the newspaper business, then where do you go next? And, and how does that transition work? Uh, well, one of the things I did shortly after the newspaper business <clears throat> was for a very short time, I was a publisher and um, editor for a travel host magazine. Okay. There, there was not a travel host magazine in Fort Wayne at the mm-hmm. time. So I, 
I really wasn't willing to invest the amount of money it was required to sustain it. I just sure. didn't really have that seed money. And, sure. and uh, so that didn't go very long or very far, but it was really fun. I think I published probably three full magazines okay. out of my home. All right. And um, did you actually get to travel as part of that work or not so much? Well, regionally. Okay. Uh, but initially I had to travel to Dallas, Texas okay. to actually kind of pick up the franchise, so to sure. speak. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So where do we go from there? <laughs> <laughs> um, there were a few odd jobs in between. I worked for the Association of Realtors. I was a marketing communications type coordinator there for almost a year. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that really, I think, could have been my dream job. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. very excited to be a part of that team. They were really good people. But this whole time, I had been a volunteer at Black Pine Animal Sanctuary. Okay. So I had been volunteering uh, at Black Pine for about 11 years. Mm-hmm some pretty significant time because it was in my hometown. It's family, friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided they, they had an opportunity to really look towards relocating and becoming more sustainable. And so I wrote a grant and created a position and took it. Okay. All right. That's, that's <laughs> so, not so bad. Yeah. I took a development director position there. So, um, so tell us a little bit on. about that facility because that's a place I've heard about but yeah. I've never been. And my son, my son went through an entire childhood where I said, "This is a place I should take him," and never did. And now he's twenty-one. So, well, he should still go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, and, and so should I, apparently. But yes. tell me a little bit about it. Well, Black Pine is a nonprofit organization, yep. and uh, they provide permanent lifetime care to displaced, captive-raised exotic animals. Okay. So. You know, this is the era of Tiger King, so I think that concept is much easier for most of us <laughs> sure, to understand sure. now. But literally, Black Pine has been in the center of that ridiculous world sure, sure. For, for 20 years. Okay. Um, but the other end of those stories is where Black Pine and, and other sanctuaries like that come in. They actually provide lifetime care okay. to animals that should have never, ever been where they were. Sure. Sure. And I, I did not know that facet of the story. I yeah. just thought it was another zoo, if you will. No, not a zoo. They don't do any breeding, buying, selling, trading. They don't travel with animals and exhibit them any longer. Many, many years ago, yeah. um, they, they did. But, you know, there are opportunities for these private collections to do the right thing mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> or be in Tiger King. Yeah. So fortunately, <laughs> yeah. they, they took the path less traveled. Yeah. You would think that's a, an easy choice, but yeah. maybe not so much. Yeah. So so you've you've at this point, you've had multiple jobs that could have been a dream job, which is a it's it sounds like it's a really good thing, but also some difficult choices. Mm-hmm. How long you're at Black Pine for some time, correct? You were yeah, there for I was a while? there for almost 13 years, okay. I think, as a, as a member of the staff, 11, over 20 years total. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So... What comes next and why do you make that move if you're at a place that obviously, you know, you had your heart into? Yeah. Well, um, as you can imagine, um, the amount of risk management involved in an exotic animal mm-hmm. facility full of uh, apex predators mm-hmm. is, is pretty intense. Yeah. Um, we operated with a lot of volunteers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to say I ever got a full night's rest is probably not true. Wow. So after a very long period of that, um, getting older, thinking Mm -hmm. about, am I ever going to be able to retire? Working for a nonprofit maybe isn't the most uh, (laughs) (laughs) solid way to go, right? Sure, sure. Um, Willing to do it. But I just reached a point where for about two years, I was really kind of looking for what's that next thing going to be. And economic development wasn't necessarily on my radar. Yeah. But I I knew Rick Shirk, our former director. Mm -hmm. I knew um, his staff that Mm -hmm. had worked there. And it's, it was literally 50 steps from my door. Oh, wow. Where I wow. was living. Okay. 
Um, so I applied. All right. And it was looking for a marketing position, marketing person. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, hey, I got the marketing skills. I've sure. learned a lot. I know the community. I've lived here my whole life. Yeah. So it has really been a very, very good fit. Okay. And, and small world, I actually knew Rick through – uh, electric utility stuff because sure. my first okay. job in Indiana was with an REMC and Rick <laughs> yep. was at an As REMC. Was his, yeah. yes. <laughs> so I, I recognized that name and, and actually worked with him a little bit when he was in the position you're in now. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about present day. Tell us a little bit about your organization and what your role is and, and what benefit your organization provides to the community. Sure. Well, my role there now as operations director, I was initially hired as a marketing uh, director and uh, Gary Gatman, who a lot of people in this community are going to know as well, is our executive director. Gary's been there a little over a year. And our team um, is responsible. We're, we're wearing all the hats for ensuring a thriving economy in Noble County, Indiana. So we work with the regional partnership here in Fort yep. Wayne and our other 10 counties, the 11 county region. Um, I, I should have prepared my elevator speech for this question because I do think it's really hard. If you're not in economic development, explaining what it is, is sure. seems very like it's not palatable or it's not material. Yeah. And it's really not. But it, we act as connectors. Mm -hmm. We act as um, a resource library of knowledge and information and contacts. <laughs> and sure. when there's opportunity really anywhere in the economy, whether it's small business or industrial growth or in the workforce for training and educating the workers we need. Um, we get involved in all those things. We're involved in trying to bring more housing to Noble County. We are involved in expanding broadband. We're involved in doing sewer upgrades right sure, now. Sure. Um, so it can run the gamut of about probably 20 or 30 different topics. Sure. And our role is to facilitate, champion, advocate, connect, hold meetings, sure. find information. Sure. All of those things. So so a big facet of it, I would imagine, and some of this I'm, I'm stealing from the conversation we had on this podcast with Kate Varag, who mm -hmm. recommended you for the podcast. Thank and you, who Kate. <laughs> used to work, used to work here at Asher. Hi, Kate. Thanks for the recommendation. Um, you know, so my understanding is one of the things your organization does is working to retain the business investment and employment you already have and then yes. generate new business investment and new jobs in the community. Yes. Is that correct? That is correct. That is correct. Yep. So, so one of the things that I'm I'm interested in, one of the many things, and and Kate and I talked about this a little bit as well, but I'd like to hear your perspective on the 11 county region, knowing that it's somewhat competitive but also somewhat collaborative. How do you strike that balance? Well, I'm I'm really new to the table, so I don't know historically, you know, how that's been answered, but from my perspective we're far enough down the road of collaboration that I feel like it's very second nature now. Mm -hmm. um, I I see more, <laughs> I see a little bit more tendency to be competitive within the communities just in Noble County than I really see between the counties in the region. Okay. So, All right. you know, we I feel like we have a little more work to do. I see a lot of enthusiasm for it. Don't get me wrong, sure. but maybe habits and the way we talk about things haven't changed as quickly. Sure, sure. Um, so there's huge opportunity Uh I think all of the leaders, the the leads of these economic development organizations, take it very seriously not to poach and not to, you know, one up. Sure. Uh, they might do that privately. Sure. As we yeah. all probably do, just yeah. competitively. But I mean, to the public, and when it comes to actual uh, attraction of 
projects coming in, we help each other. And, and it wasn't, I mean, we just had a referral from Whitley County not very long ago. Mm-hmm. So those things are happening. Sure. So so what would you say are your community's strengths? You know, if, if you were talking to someone who was considering business investment, you mm-hmm. were talking to an existing employer, what, what are some of the things that you believe make your community unique and, and why is business investment a good investment in that community? That's a great question. I think there's several things like all of us in the region, our location. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, Noble County's communities um, are easily accessible to about 20 of the nation's longest highways. So yeah. even in the region, we've got good accessibility sure. between I-69 and I-8090 and Highways 30 and 6 and so forth. So location is still a strength. We have two railroads coming right through Noble County, which I don't know if if that's typical, but we have one through the north and one through the south. Sure. So a lot of rail access. Um, Our our workforce development systems, you know, the things that a lot of people are familiar with, the Impact Institute, formerly the Fort County Vocational School, Mm -hmm. um, Freedom Academy, Mm -hmm. Chet Deco's Legacy Mm -hmm. (laughs) at work there. Those are things that are not unique to Noble County, but were founded and, and really got their their birth in Noble County. So we have a very long history of training our workforce. We're one of the top five, four or five uh, counties in the nation for concentration of employment and manufacturing. Hmm. I did not know that. Yes. All right. So our roots are deep and long and it's just in the culture, you know, it's multi-generational that we're raising people that understand manufacturing and have the skill sets and the nature, you know, the environment to nurture that. Sure. So we've got good workers. We also have a lot of diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, Dexter, for example, in Albin employs over 900 people now, nearly 1,000 people. A lot of the Burmese community is employed there. We have a lot of uh, the Latin community working in the western part of the county. Just a lot of really good workers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are strengths. The other thing I would say is um, our communities are very business friendly. They don't pile on regulations and permitting processes on top of what the state has, generally speaking, which we find (laughs) is very attractive to a lot of companies that are looking at sometimes larger communities. Sure. So so let's talk about the flip side. What are some of the challenges that come with your work and in what is really effectively marketing your community? What are some Mm -hmm. of the challenges you run into? Well, we've had this conversation here recently. We're preparing a state of the economy, local economy Mm -hmm. report for our annual meeting in June. And you know, if you just look at the surface numbers, sometimes on educational attainment, it can just kind of look abysmal. And sure. that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. It depends on what your workforce needs, what you educate to fill. Sure, sure. <laughs> and and uh, so we're fortunate in that we have a mix of public schools and some are more academic focused than others. But sure. again, if you just look at the surface and you're just looking at snapshots or snippets of data, and don't understand the full picture and what our economy requires to sustain, that could probably be um, either misleading or misunderstood. Okay. All right. Well, what are some of the things that, you know, in terms of where you spend your time at work and, uh-huh. and you know, almost everyone I've spoken to on this says, you know, there's there's no typical day, especially when it's a smaller <laughs> organization, you're doing a number of different things, mm-hmm. especially in as nebulous a role as operations, which is created to incorporate a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the, the major things that are on your mind now that you're working on that are taking up big chunks of your time, either keeping you up at night, maybe not as much as when you're working for Black Pine, but still keeping you up at night, mm-hmm. or that excites you, or maybe a combination of both? Uh, it's interesting. Our strategic work plan for this year and next <clears throat> incorporates about six or seven different areas of work. And because we are a small staff, we've all sort of taken our own projects within those. So 
The things that I'm currently working on, um, I do the day-to-day. We have a monthly e-newsletter blast that we want to send out to all of our local partners. So I'm constantly skimming the news and trying to keep up with breaking news and, sure. and keeping track of that. So that that's exclusively one of my roles. <laughs> so okay. the day-to-day stuff and, and making sure I'm messaging um, and, and being a champion for, for Noble County is okay. part of it. Um, on top of that, we're working on, uh, I mentioned the annual meeting. So mm-hmm. for me, I'm doing a little bit more of the event planner role coming sure. up in June. We're going to be inviting our stakeholders to come together. And it's the, it's a complete change yep. uh, from what our use, format used to be. And is that a result of the pandemic? Is that a result of, of other factors? Um, not so much pandemic related. We used to meet in, I think, January mm-hmm. in the middle of winter. And we all remembered setting up. Not, we did not have one last year, but the previous. Well, no, we did have one last year. Anyway, we all remembered not very fondly yeah. <laughs> organizing something in a blizzard with freezing winds. Sure, so sure. We, we said, why are we doing this? Yeah, yeah. And it was just tradition. You know, there sure. wasn't a real hard, fast reason. So that was part of it. Yeah. A lot of times we do things because we've always done them that way. Exactly. And we don't, we don't remember that we have other, we have alternatives. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think we just were like, let's, let's do it different. We yeah. know we're different people and it's, it's a different group. So. Sure. Well, and if ever much. there was a year to try something different, yes. this is the year because all the expectations went out the window in the last 13 yes, months. So yes. yeah. I do think pandemic, maybe thinking even prior to the pandemic, we were thinking, um, when I say we, Gary, Tara and I, the three of us were thinking a lot about our small business community. Mm-hmm. And I think that had been on my mind because I was part of that small business community sure. for such a long time Sure. and never really felt like we had a place in economic development's mm-hmm. uh, agenda. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fair to say that's changed globally in economic development, at least nationally, that's changed in economic development. And it was changing before the pandemic. Now it's even more magnified. Sure. So moving our event to a small business and incorporating, you know, them as vendors to the event and making it more of a celebration sure. than just a, you have to have an annual meeting Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was part of our goal too. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, what what else? What else has taken up your time or, or on your mind in terms of projects or initiatives that are that are more substantial? Uh, well, from a marketing perspective, in particular, um, we recognize the need for housing, as mm-hmm. many of us in Northeast Indiana have for a while. Yeah. So that's been something I've been dabbling in and trying to think outside the box a little bit about what can we deliver to some of the housing developers that can help spur something or sure, more. There's sure. quite a bit going on, but to spur more interest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been playing around with Google Earth mm-hmm. and doing some mapping and presentations there. And not sure where that's going to go yet, but that's one thing I've been playing with. Um, at a higher level, just with the American Rescue Plan funding coming into our communities, mm-hmm. we've had a lot of staff meetings in that direction. That's not necessarily marketing related at sure, this point. Sure. But I'm sure there's going to be some important messaging and communications around that. Sure. Um, what else? I, I don't know why I'm blank. We have nothing but work to do. Well, I was going to say, sometimes it's there's there's so many projects that it's hard to pick just one or two. Well, the other, I guess the other big one is really talent attraction. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm also sitting on a committee with the regional partnership talking about business or business attraction. They went through a talent attraction campaign, sure. obviously. And sure. uh, now we're working on business attraction. So those are important projects, too. Um, we have well over 400 jobs to fill in Noble County. Oh, wow. Okay. We have had before mm-hmm. the pandemic, through the pandemic, and here we are on the other side and, and pretty much in the same situation. So, you know, there's some decisions to be made about where do we market those jobs to? Going back to your point about is it going to do the region any good to mm-hmm. steal 
yeah. you know, workers from an adjoining county? Sure. Probably not. Sure, so sure. Are most of those manufacturing that? jobs or what are the key industries or the key skills Th- that those, exist? I'm, I'm sure there's other, there's probably well more sure. outside of that 400, but the 400 I mentioned are primarily in healthcare and in industry. And those are also all jobs that are paying what I would call a living wage, mm-hmm. 15 or more an hour, yeah. at least on average. So we're not talking about the, the corner uh, convenience store job. Sure. We're talking... Sure. You know, long time benefited jobs. So, so why does that gap exist? Um, you know, this is a it's a big <laughs> problem. So I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. Yeah. But in your opinion, because I I hear about this, I know folks who are in HR who are just having tremendous difficulties finding um, the the right skills in in available in the available workforce. You know, you you drive up and down I-69 and you see employment billboards. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the real situation here in terms of uh, getting the right people in the right seat? Knowing that there's a lot of people who are in jobs that don't pay a living wage. Uh, what, what's what's the challenge and, and why are we in this in this conundrum, if you will? Well, I think there's a whole lot of factors, mm-hmm. and I and I'm going to preface my comments by saying I think they're all being worked on. Yeah, sure. With a tremendous amount of effort, but we we've, we've talked uh, at the EDC about introducing manufacturing to to youth much earlier. Yeah. To try to overcome the stigma of sure. you know what people imagine when they don't understand what manufacturing is today versus sure. what it was during the Industrial Revolution, yeah. right? So. There's that piece, just informing youth to, to really open their eyes and help them discover all the mm-hmm. pathways available. So that's a piece of it. Um, the industry is changing because of technology, mm-hmm. so the needs have been evolving and changing very rapidly, and sure. I think that has had an effect. So in order to have the proper skills among your workforce, you need the educators to be on board with providing you sure. know, the education and training, and they're all working tirelessly on that. But I think it, it all lags, you know, it takes a while sure. to kind of get where you envision you want to be. And we're headed there. But I think all those factors play into it. Yeah. So so good opportunities for mm-hmm. someone who's willing to make the right types of investments in themselves. Yes. There's ample opportunities to, to earn more, to do something different and to have a sustainable job because mm-hmm. these are the jobs of the future, it sounds like. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the technology is such a huge piece of it. Um, our annual meeting in June is going to be all about Industry 4.0, which mm-hmm. is, you know, all of the uh, AI and VR and not not just robotics, but sure. cloud-based technology and having the Internet of Things all communicating across the floor. Those are all technologies that we already have in Noble County. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, there's a lot of education, I guess, to be done to the workforce that's coming up. Sure. So, so in, in your community, for the for these, for the preponderance of jobs that are available, is a high school diploma enough to qualify for you those jobs, or do you need further training after high school in most cases? There's there's jobs for everybody. Sure. You know, so I guess I guess that's really the 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 job that we have as far as marketing and communicating and working with our partners is to help people envision all of those different pathways mm-hmm. because there really are job opportunities at the end of every single one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think the college pathway right now, it looks like, has, well, that's not true either though because you need the supporting roles that are sure. not direct manufacturing roles. So yeah. it's all there, Sure, every bit of it. 
Sure. Sure. Well, we're going to go now to the speed round of the show where (laughs) I ask you a few questions, um, some of which are similar to what we've talked about. But now that you've had a chance to warm up a little bit, it's it's sort of your um, your best advice, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with career path. You've had a very interesting, complex and multifaceted career. What's your best piece of career advice when it comes to, you know, what you would say to someone if they said, how do I be successful in a career or I'm trying to figure my career path out or, you know, I want to get off to a good start? What do you think is the most important thing from a career perspective? Honestly, I think it is to forget about your job description, forget about what you perceive as you're responsible for just these things open your mind, be willing to do whatever it takes in the environment you're in for everybody to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just have a real problem with people having boundaries, I yeah. guess, because I, I feel like if I had had boundaries, I would have never been able to learn half of what I know. Sure, sure. So for me, it's keep learning. Look for best practices. If you don't know how to do something, we've got resources at our fingertips literally now to yeah. to find other people who sure. have published information that can be yeah. useful. So keep learning and and don't hold yourself to boundaries about where you work. Yeah. Well, and it's it's true that it's literally almost all out there. You could learn just about anything if you wanted to, and it could be formally or informally. Mm-hmm. And you know that the opportunities really come quickest to those who really reveal that they're open to new opportunities. Mm -hmm. If you say that's not my job, you're going to be in that same job for a long time. So yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk next about your organization. If somebody stopped you on the street and said, okay, I don't know what Alito is. I don't know what economic development is. Mm -hmm. How would you describe the work that your organization does? I would say that in one way or another, we are probably connected to helping make possible everything that you care about in your community. Okay. Whether right. it's the house you live in or the park down the street or where you work or where you shop, we are there to try to support and make that the best we can make it. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty big work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, well said. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Last one. And this is where I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball, but I, I gave you a little bit of a, a warning before we started recording. You know, the we've talked in this, this podcast was a, a child of the pandemic because we were looking for different ways to, to help people tell their stories and quite frankly, tell our story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that became a little more difficult to do. So we said, how can we deploy technology to do this? And when we started, I was asking people, you know, about resilience. And I, th- I think everybody needs advice about resilience every, you know, every moment of their lives. But now that we're hopefully on the tail end of the pandemic, what are some of the things you learned over the past 13 months? You obviously have an interest in in lifelong learning and, and learning new things, but what have you learned in the last 13 months that you think you'll carry forward, that you think others would benefit from hearing? It all starts with relationships. Mm-hmm. I already knew that, but I think this past year has really reinforced that, meaning that, you know, we we can have every solution somebody could want, but if we don't have a relationship, the likelihood of them taking it in when we lead them to it mm-hmm. is so much less. Yeah. So I, I say that in terms of like the pandemic relief, we had micro grants and things. And, you know, I, I was, I don't want to say disheartened because that sounds negative, but I was surprised, I guess, 
at how few people really jumped at those opportunities to sustain their business or even help their business grow. And I don't think it had anything to do with us or where the money came from. At the end of the day, it was just if, if we didn't know each other before it, it was going to be unlikely to yeah. to take root. Yeah. So I, I feel like at the beginning of everything, you've got to establish the relationships before everything you have to offer is really going to mean, be meaningful. Sure, sure. Well, well, one of the things that I've always said and continue to, to find evidence that, that it's true is that everything good that's ever happened to me is the result of a relationship. Yeah. It's not because of anything I do. It's because I'm connected to someone who either knows someone or knows something. And really, it all comes down to trust. And I think in economic development, that's a huge factor. Because Absolutely. there people who are staking you know, their, their livelihood on locating in a community or reinvesting in a community or trusting you on, you know, what the best resources are in a community. And that's, it takes time to build those relationships, but you know, the best way to improve those relationships is continue to deliver and to, to earn that trust. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, Lori, anything else you would like our listeners to know about you or your organization or your career path or any of those things? Gosh, I'm old enough I could talk forever, but no, I've enjoyed this. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been great getting to know you and great hearing your story. And it's another reminder of, of why we do this podcast, because it's just fascinating to hear everyone's background and how, you know, we we sort of put ourselves in a little box by calling this the marketing podcast, but marketing comes in a lot of different forms and you may be the best representation of that we've had on the, <laughs> on the show. So thanks for that. Uh, you're welcome. Thank yeah. you for having me. Well, and thanks everyone who listened to this episode. We'll be back next week with another great guest and we hope you'll join us then. 